ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else, it's time for Great Conversations with your host, John J. Collins. Happy, fantastic congratulations to you. You're listening to Great Conversations with me, John J. Goddard. It is my hope that these demonstrations of conversational connection will inspire you on to ever greater instances of interrelevance. Today you'll hear me speak with my good friend Brendan Kirby, owner and operator of Seed Sprout Spoon and the Leona Ballroom in St. Louis, Missouri. We will discuss the events, hospitality and service industries in the new economic landscape. You uh, closed down, what was it, um, like middle of March maybe? Yeah, we shut down... Uh... We did some food carryout stuff like the week of St. Patty's Day. We did some food for uh, like corned beef and cabbage and stuff on St. Patty's Day, I remember. And then uh, did a few more things that week. We did brunch that Sunday, and then that was it after brunch. That was sort of the same time that, you know, it was like March 20th, 22nd, something like that. Everything was sort of shutting down. Um, and after we did like a week of carryout food and um, some like meals to go and things like that. We just decided that it wasn't necessarily worth it. Um, at the time, you know, everybody was freaking out. So we were having trouble getting, you know, necessarily people, staff that wanted to work and everybody was sort of on the fence about what they wanted to do. So I figured we would just stop for a little while Yeah. and uh, you know, figure it out. Uh, in the future, and I guess we're kind of in the future now. Right. So, like, uh, was it? I think I talked when I talked to you a few weeks ago. You said something about like it just kind of wasn't worth it. Um, was it? So, it, was it a combination of like um, people really not feeling comfortable with working, but just kind of a, a not enough, not enough interest or business to, or it was a combination of all those things. There was. Definitely, we had a few staff that were wanting to work still, but uh, the majority didn't, and that was understandable at the time. Right. And then, also, you know, that's not really what we do business-wise. Uh, so it was just, you know, so trying to just sort of do a 360 or 180 and turn around everything and be, you know, make these meals was doable, but it was like the amount of work that was we were putting into it for the amount that we were selling didn't necessarily seem to make sense. Right. Uh, I know that people that did order were real happy and they were hoping that we would keep doing it, but uh, and I think maybe we will start up again because, you know, it just seems like, every, you know, a month into this thing, um, it's not looking like we're going to be going back to catering large weddings anytime soon. So we need to figure out some way to wake back up, I guess, and become a business again. Right. And if that means uh, pivoting to doing more carryout stuff, then then I think we can do that. Um, there's also the issue of um, folks, you know, all of our staff having gone on to unemployment and as, you know, been talked about by a lot of people um, with the additional $600 federal stimulus that people are getting per week in addition to the state, you know, people can make as much money on unemployment right now as they would if we brought them back to work. So yeah. And a lot of um, people more than they were, than they were accustomed to making more. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it figures out to about depending on what you get from the state you know, anywhere from 20 to 23 bucks an hour by my math. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you can make that, and stay home and stay safe, then it makes sense. You know, it's hard to tell people uh, that they can't. Um, and I want what's best for them, you know, so. Right. Um, but at the same time, we need to get back to business or else, you know, there may not be a job for our staff, you know, in right. the near future. Right. Well, you've got. Um... Depending on how long it drags out. You, you've got the um, the venue kind of hanging in the balance too, the new venue, the Leona, and um, so mm -hmm. I mean, have 
has work continued on that or have you kind of shut down the crews for for the renovation or yeah, that's everything everything on that is um continuing forward that was all budgeted in most of it before any of this happened so oh uh, it hasn't really affected that i mean granted our like revenue stream just completely stopped so the business we had you know first it was all of our Late March weddings and April weddings canceled, and then, you know, May weddings canceled, and now we're looking at, you know, we saw some June weddings that haven't, you know, not canceled, but, you know, postponed, trying to find later dates. Right. Um, so, uh, but but as far as Leo's going, like, I mean, that's, it's continuing on, the project's going, but the but it's really hard right now to think about, like, oh, yeah, we're pumping all this money into a venue, which is the goal is to accommodate large groups of people gathering together. Um, it just seems like the worst type of business to be, to be in right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've kind so, of been telling people that, I mean, the events industry is kind of, it's kind of gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it literally, you snap, snap your fingers one day and everything was gone. I mean, even with like reopenings and stuff, you know, it's not like people are going to be rushing to have large events anymore. And like, even if they do, you know, even if people said, oh, I'm going to I'm going to hold something for a thousand people. It's like how many out of those thousand people are actually going to want to go to an event? You know, what percentage of those people? So, yeah. So it's a combination of, of, you know, a lot of people, you know, really set on having their wedding and wanting to do it. So the, the desire to. You know, people, it's a natural desire for people not to want to wait. Um, so initially people were like, let's put it off for a few months. What do you have in a couple months, you know? And then I think people will start to realize that that's not really feasible. So, but, you know, we were booked up for the fall as well. So it's hard to reschedule the people in the spring for the fall because before any of this happened, I mean, we book a year out in advance and more sometimes. So um, we were having to get creative and, you know, some people might want to do like a Sunday wedding instead of a Saturday or um, pushing them back to 2021. And I don't know, but everything with Leona is continuing on the contractors and construction crews that we've had over there are continuing to work. They've had some staffing issues and, you know, people get sick and whether or not they're, you know, sick, virus or whatever if they're showing a sort of sickness they can't come to work so it cuts into um you know that we've had to push the time table back on completing that our goal is to have it done in the next month or so but that's probably not going to happen but it really doesn't matter because if we had it done in a month <laughs> nobody's going to want to be renting out a large wedding venue uh, and it is pretty huge as you so what do you, I mean, uh, something that I've come up against here is like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I've got my own dining events thing and it's like, I've kind of looked down the road. And I'm like, I, I don't even see a point at which, at which I should even try to reinstate those and like, you know, start up events again. Cause it's like, you know, it's, it hinges on so many other things, but it's, that's yeah. that's the big part of it is like everything is hinged on so many other things and we're starting to see that so much more and it's like so you know that e- events oriented initiatives are kind of you know not really not really feasible and you yeah, know I mean you've got people talking about canceling you know baseball season and playing in front of no crowd for the whole rest of the summer and then you've got other people, certain states, obviously, as we found the last couple days, saying they're going to reopen, you know, next week, and they're going to try to go back to normal. So I guess, you know, we just wait now to see when people reopen and economies reopen and if that has any effect and um, how interested people are to actually go out. I'm sure there will, people are tired of being... Um, you know, held up in their homes and stuff. So they'll get out, but are people going to start getting sick again? And then we're right back to where we were, I guess. Just like everything with this whole process, it's like wait and see, you know? Yeah. 
have you like gone down um have you like kind of gone down worst case scenarios like i mean that's a massive piece of real estate um and mm-hmm. it's a it's a massive investment like have you kind of gone down worst case scenarios like okay what if none of this stuff does come back yeah. you know yeah like every every moment of my waking life and <laughs> sleeping life I, <laughs> all those worst case scenarios and you know i always come back to the point that like we busted our ass for years to get this and we're going to keep working at it um you know to, to get our business where it is and there's nothing we can do you know we there's nothing we can do about this so if this ends up being what is our demise then at least it is something that was sort of out of our control and as morbid as that sounds i mean at least it's a way to sort of rationalize it in my brain yeah well you have to go down uh, that road but yeah because i mean reality is what it is um if we were a retail store or even a, just a restaurant i would there's a light at the end of the tunnel you know and there's ways to to sort of uh, evolve and but when our business is you know we do do brunch on sunday but even that we've got a tiny little space people aren't going to want to cram in there but the majority of our business is these large weddings and um man yeah just people aren't going to want to people are going to want to still do them i think you know come fall but yeah like you said earlier they a lot of their guests aren't going to feel comfortable coming uh it's not going to be a good idea to have grandma wheeling around in her wheelchair uh in a crowd of a hundred people or whatever. So, you know, it, we'll just have to adjust. And a lot of people, you know, in the wedding industry and have, have tried to deal, you know, they people that still wanted to go ahead with their weddings. There's been some push to do, you know, these like live stream zoom type events where you have just, you know, the, the couple and a few immediate family members in a small space or whatever. And then it's live streamed out to all the guests. And people are getting creative with ways to you know, send food or little packages to everybody, all the guests, and they they can celebrate that way together. But that's all just, I you know, I don't think any of that's necessarily like sustainable. That's not what people want. They want to get together and dance and party, and that's what a wedding's all about. Right. So it knocks you out of the equation too. Yeah, I mean, what we do is make food for you know weddings. So. Um, it, even it, yeah, they don't actually need us. They don't need us for that type of a serve, uh, you know, a party. Um, when um, when I earlier uh, when this when this all kind of started up, I kind of pivoted to uh, delivered food boxes, and like recently, mm-hmm. I've been um, like first it was you know these deli boxes, and you know just a selection of like pretty much dry goods and canned and jars and and stuff like that with bread and smoked meat and, and that. And, you know, I did that for probably like a week and a half. And, you know, I don't the another thing that I look at, I, I was looking at that. And it was like the cost of doing that. And, you know, what the cost of that to the consumer it was like it was really difficult for me to justify um, to justify marketing well, something when. Yeah. What I have to charge for it. And it's like, even as I'm looking at, you know, in the last few weeks, I've been looking at like having hot food deliveries and like, you know, prepared meals kind of thing. And like, in order to even justify that, it's like, I'm you know, you have to try to keep the price down for people because, you know, it's kind of a splurge. And it's like, do you have any really, do you have any really right to, um, to like ask people <laughs> to make such a splurge when it's like everybody should is kind of like tightening their their purse strings and um you know not looking towards oh what how can i you know enjoy myself to the max today you know it's like nobody's really looking yeah, at and that. I, think that, I think there's there was definitely a desire for people to support local businesses local restaurants that were doing carry out food yeah and there still is and most people that are supporting those uh, in that, supporting businesses in that way are people that are still working or maybe had some money to begin with and they weren't hit maybe economically so hard so quick like some like the folks in our industry were um, so they could still afford to do that um, and maybe still can for a little bit but eventually I mean 
even if we open things back up, all of the domino effects of all of this economically are going to come to bear for everybody. <clears throat> even, you know, people that are fairly well off are going to be tightening up their purse strings and maybe not wanting to splurge in that way as much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're reopening, uh, we'll see, but, you're reopening in a landscape where, where people have completely different needs and wants like the, uh, you yeah. know, and I think, you know, maybe a lot of people still don't realize that it's like, you know, they, they still want like the, the service of having someone cook for them. But, you know, I, a lot of people are probably still operating under the assumption that, you know, or at least of, in the mindset that it's like, okay, you know, eating out or, you know, having somebody cook for me is, you know, something that I can sustain and do. And it's like, I think down the road, even, you know, not too far down the road, people are going to probably change their thinking on that. Oh, and I've been reading about uh, impending meat shortages, too. Have you heard anything about that? I've heard a little bit about, yeah, large, uh, you know, you read about the large packing facilities and um, houses and stuff like that that have been shut down just because they've had employees get sick. And because they, you know, the staff, those employees all work together in such close quarters. And, but I don't know, um, I don't know much else about the reason for those shortages other than, I mean, I feel like there's still a demand in the economy for. Yeah, it's weird. Like the price of some um, things has and, really dropped and then the price of other things has kind of, you know, gone up a little bit. I haven't seen anything you know, aside from toilet paper and things like that, those are the things that were like, you know, yeah. they were suddenly I mean, pricing through the roof. I got gasoline for $1.29 the other day. I so. saw that. <laughs> That's... That, was, that was, if anybody's listening, North 13th Street, right? Uh, north of downtown. I don't know why their price was so low. I'm, it seems like everybody else is right around $1.69 or 79 but they were buck twenty nine. so. Yeah. But, I mean, there's just these weird, unintended, un, you know, unless you're an economist that's really immersed in all this, it's hard to wrap your head around but all these you know all these small businesses shutting down has this domino effect on the entire economy i mean they may only make up five percent of the economy or something like that um but the effect on the economy as a whole is obviously going to be greater um and i don't think we'll see that right away it's going to you know it's going to happen over a period of time yeah and i've heard people say that we won't be back to our previous levels of, I mean, I guess the United States was doing pretty well economically for a year or two. If that, you know, that that's an optimistic view. Yeah. So I think we all need to like get ready for that, you know. Yeah, Regardless absolutely. Regardless of when we open back up. Well, you know, and um, a lot of these, a, a lot of these kinds of calculations, I think, are based on the fact that, on the idea or the belief or premise that everything's going to turn out just fine and we're going to conquer the virus and there's going to be a vaccine and it's like not mm-hmm. not taking into account really what else does the virus have up its sleeve you know insofar as mutations or you know behaviors that we haven't you know virus behaviors that we that we haven't learned about yet there, there's been, there was a, a an article i read just today that said uh, people had been showing up in hospitals uh with stroke uh some, you know, people that had strokes, um, and they were testing them, and uh, they weren't—they were asymptomatic for coronavirus. But um, the only reason they ended up in hospital because of a stroke, whether they died or they were just there recovering, and they were testing positive on higher levels for coronavirus. So they were thinking, well, you know, why is this somehow causing blood clotting issues? Is it causing other issues that we haven't even thought about that aren't respiratory? Yeah, there was a thing that I read that was about like basically the the virus will, based on who the host is, it kind of attacks different things, and like mm-hmm. but but it can apparently attack any organ or system in the body. Like you know, I I can't remember if they you know said anything about the nervous system, but I know like kidney liver you know and it just it depends on an individual basis kind of that's that's what i got out of it yeah i feel like it's going to be a while before we figure out exactly what the hell we're dealing with and um hopefully there's people doing that <laughs> i mean maybe we all just need to have some bleach 
Call it a day. <laughs> I have to uh, tell the listeners, I do not endorse the uh, consumption of bleach products. I do not advise it. Um, I, I believe Brendan was joking. Um well, the more people that just go ahead and drink bleach, the less host bodies that will be around to uh, the move through. That, so, I mean, it, that would be a net maybe positive. Maybe that's what he was yeah. referring to. It's, you know what that's <laughs> funny about that is, and I noted, I noted that yesterday I wrote something about it on Facebook. Like, he never suggested drinking bleach. Like, he never su- recommended it. Per se, you know, it's just like right. he he just whip, whip, whipped it off the top of his head. Well, I mean, you know, and a certain portion of the media is really eager to jump on, you know, anything that can be that can be, you know, blown up into a story. But it's like, oh, sure. Click so on the story about the first. <laughs> right. It's like he suggested drinking bleach. Well, no, he, he pretty much just you know, kind of, you know, pulled it out of his ass and just said something about it to the doctor. And it's like, but. You know, another thing about that is, you know, that's that's pretty much all he has to do for some of his followers to try drinking bleach. Remember when that uh, that congresswoman or senator, the gal in Arizona, remember when she got shot uh, because Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was maybe like a week earlier. I think Sarah Palin had like tweeted something like a picture of her with a target on her face or something like that. Um. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, she didn't suggest shooting this woman down, but she kind of seeded the idea for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that was pre that was pre Trump era, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. But um, so yeah, we gotta, you know, we gotta worry about these people. <laughs> it's like. We gotta mm-hmm. make sure, even if he just says some wacky thing like, "Well, maybe it's possible to inject disinfectants into the lungs." He's not saying to do it, but it's like you know, you never know who out there might think, "Well, you know, that makes that makes sense." And and my president said something about it, so what the hell? But yeah, but obviously, I mean, that's I mean, if that's what you want to do, and if that's what you're, if you're susceptible to that type of encouragement, then go right ahead. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I I almost feel that way, and it sounds sounds cruel. Yeah, we no, it's definitely it's definitely sad that when you can't even when you have to concern yourself with like the things the president says. Yeah causing people to do physical harm to themselves. So that, that's a problem. I'm not trying to downplay that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean... Well, and here, a, I guess it's just a, and it, where I, we are. I think it's tempting to go down that road and say, yeah, sure, let these people off themselves because, I mean, here we are three, what, almost three and a half years into the presidency and we've just seen so much destructive policy making, And, you know, I think... You know, a certain people of a of a different bent, a more progressive, you know, considerate, caring, social orientation, um, are just like, well, we kind of got to take, <laughs> we got to take whatever measures are are out there to defeat this person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that dark thinking is, you know, while it's not like I don't think there's anything intentionally cruel about it, it's like you know, a, a lot of people are just like, whatever it takes. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I think this whole pandemic is probably going to be enough of a distraction and or just deterrence from voting that I think just it's all going to steamroll into him just getting elected again. Yeah. Um, especially because the person he's running against hasn't shown any desire to, like, um, stay in the public eye and to and to be present himself as any sort of leader that is worthy of, of somebody coming out to vote. Um because even in the fall, I think, you know, we'll probably be in a better situation in November when the election comes around. But um, there's still, you know, you still have to give people a reason to get up off their ass and go vote. And, uh, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Yesterday I was I was uh, I was I was noting that all of a sudden I, I realized it was like, where the hell is Biden? You know why? He is not. He hasn't said anything about any of this, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it's just. Um, that I haven't seen it. Or they've ignored it. Yeah, because it's not exciting. There's enough other uh, newsworthy, uh, click, clickbaity enough stuff going around that 
the news channels don't have to report on him, but um, they certainly report on Trump, though. Well, I see, you know, uh, and I still see stuff from Bernie Sanders coming out, you know, on Facebook. Like, he is still, even though yeah. he suspended his campaign, he is still, like, actively messaging um, to his his base. Um, yeah, I think it's sad because uh, had he done well, a little bit better on Super Tuesday and maybe the race was a little bit tighter right now, I think he would definitely, you know, if there was a clear path for him to even get the nomination, I think he would have seized on this and, and really used it as, you know, a, a way to... Uh, promote his ideas on healthcare and things like that that people could really get behind right now. Right, but it's too late for that, unfortunately. And, and at least just be a voice, like a leadership voice, too, because there's like there's a. I read somebody that somebody that speaks about um, concern for all people, um, which is rare. It seems like uh, Cuomo. Hard, so. Yeah, it seems like Cuomo in in New York City is probably like the closest thing we've got to that, and like there's not. You know, that's not his job to lead the country, but, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's said a lot of really inspiring things. And, you know, it's a shame that he has to focus on actually combating the virus situation and that, you know, he could be more of a voice um, or that, you know, anybody could or any number of mm-hmm. people could. Not anybody. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, who knows where we're going. If anything, it gave us all a bigger struggle to unite behind uh, than just which side of the political aisle you're on. So um, perhaps, uh, regardless of if the Cheeto is victorious in November, it, it seems to me at least that people have, at least there's something to unite behind a common goal. Um, but then but then even then, like, as you've seen the last couple weeks, like people are divided about what to do, and it falls pretty much on political lines. Um, it's, you know, seemingly, uh, I'm not saying every conservative person is ready to open the economy back up and every liberal person wants to continue the, uh, lockdown, but it's, you know, at least on social media, it seems to be pretty, pretty equally divided. Well, even if, even, even if governors start saying, okay, you know, and local leaders like here in St. Louis, our lockdown orders are extended indefinitely. And I... I don't Correct. know if I, I – I saw something from one of our, our older persons um, kind of answering some questions and reaffirming that the lockdown is still – you know, quarantine and stay-at-home orders are still in place and that local mm-hmm. local orders supersede the, uh, the governor's – whatever the governor says. If the governor says, okay, everybody, you know, do whatever the hell – open up, go do whatever the hell you want now – it's like local leaders still kind of have the say in in how it's going to go. So I haven't found out if you know if the governor said something today. I was I was actually going to look that up, but um, he I mean, said that they were going to open back up on May fourth. Yeah, yeah. He was saying that as recently as like a week and a half ago, too. You know, mm-hmm. but he, he announced it officially today, and then uh, Lida had a press conference as well, saying that, like you just said, that that they haven't determined the day time to do that so i imagine that you know those rules will still apply to st louis uh but people will interpret the state rules as they wish and i don't know i know there's definitely a lot of businesses out there that are itching to open back up yeah um this these these various different loans and grants that the sba and the government has put out have sort of come under a mixed review as far as their effectiveness, I know that they are good for some businesses, but most of the people in the hospitality business and in our business um, have sort of come to the conclusion that, you know, they give you this money and then it's a forgivable loan if you use it um, to bring your employees back uh, in under a timeline, eight weeks, uh, to get back to, like, your previous staffing levels. Uh, and if you can prove that you've done that, and they forgive that loan or that portion of the loan that you used to pay payroll um, is no longer a loan. It's just forgiven. So, but that doesn't make sense because none of us are bringing people back right now. Um, and it doesn't make sense. If somebody can make more money staying on unemployment, why would they want to come back? And it's obviously it's an attempt by the government to like filter that money through the businesses into the hands of the employees as opposed to, 
just having it go through unemployment at the state level. And that was their idea going forward. Well, we'll get this money into the hands of businesses. They can pay their staff. We'll weather the storm, and we'll go back to normal afterwards. But when they rushed together to make these bills and things, I don't think they really thought about how long this could last and what effect it would have on restaurants and um, caterers and things like that. So Yeah, and like I would imagine I'm, you know, I'm not the only person who has been in the events business who is kind of not kind of trying to figure out a way, okay, events are gone, so what do I do next? And I'm pretty much, you know, without without any sort of, you know, storefront or, you know, actual venue space, it's like I've, I'm looking at basically just doing deliveries. And doing that, sw- switching to that requires, like, constructing an entirely new infrastructure. If you're not, like, I'm not going to... I've got a I've got a ghost kitchen online basically and it's it's hanging the balance it's waiting for me to get going but like there's an entire I'm not going to sign up with like DoorDash or Postmates or use any of the third party delivery systems because you know I've heard too many horror stories and it's like there are people here that I would rather have the money stay in the economy so it's like me mm-hmm. figure, having to figure out and engineer a delivery system an infrastructure for myself. So that's one example. But I mean, I, I have to think that a lot of other businesses are probably like, you know, completely reorganizing and restructuring themselves. And it's like, that doesn't, that takes more than a month, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to say, okay, we'll give, give you this money, X amount, whatever it is, um, you bring your staff back, you can use it. They allowed 75% of it to be used for payroll costs and benefits and things like that. And then 25% um, could be allocated towards covering rent, utilities and things like that. But what kind of business operates under a 75% uh, labor cost and 25% everything else costs? I mean, it didn't match up to what like our, our needs were at all. And then in reality, I think places that do decide to do that, bring back their staff, pay them with this money, at the end of that eight weeks or whatever, they'll be out of the money um, that the government gave them. They'll be right back to where they were beforehand. Everybody will then have to go back on unemployment and nothing was really accomplished. Like, Right. And like, even if you do accomplish that, like restructuring and reorganization and you're like, okay, so this is the new version of our business. It's like, then you know, that's completely separate from what the sales landscape is going to be like. Like, how are you going to sell, you know, f- 50 meals a day or are you going to sell four, you know? And you may be able to get one part of it restructured and figured out, but it's like there's so many other things that are still going to affect it adversely. Yeah, and, and some of those we don't even know what they are yet. Like, it just, the whole situation requires a wait and see approach and I know the government wanted to get a bunch of money out there at first and try to save all these businesses that were just bleeding out um, and that's a hard thing to do because there's some such a diverse array of businesses with different needs I know for us like trying to finish this project and get open get this venue open was a big financial strain on us it wasn't necessarily um, you know, because if we can't do that and we can't get open, then all the money we invested in that is gone. And we won't be able to meet our debt, you know, our mortgage payments and things like that on that property. And, and then we'll be out of business. So regardless of if they, if we bring staff back for a few weeks to pay them, um, if we can't get some sort of, uh, you know, some leeway on deferring some mortgage payments or things like that uh, for a while, you know, until the end of the year or something like that, then then we're, we're screwed. So I'm just kind of hoping that that's eventually how things plan to play out. But well, you we could turn it into a, a meat processing and packing plant. Yeah. <laughs> you got space for, that. for <laughs> that. A local slaughterhouse <laughs> right in the middle of in a, in, an old, in an old church. In an old church, yeah. yeah. You could you could make the church the slaughterhouse. So I don't know. I, like I said, I just wait and see. Um, I told all of our staff just, you know, stay on unemployment. I'm still 
we're still paying their insurance, like health insurance, things like that for our full-time people as long as we can. And um, they're collecting more money on unemployment than they would by coming back to work. And they should do that. I know a few of them have said, well, I'm getting paid. You know, I'm happy to come back and work. Um, you know, I'm getting the venue going, doing like painting and things like that that need to happen around there. So um, that's our plan. Just, I don't know. Hopefully we're going to start doing some prepared foods. I think to sell over at local harvest across the street from our Morgan Ford spot um, because they've been doing a whole lot. Like they've been real busy uh, grocery wise. And, um, yeah, what's the system they've got going on? You, do you do you call do you call in your order basically, or do they have an online thing set up and they then they basically they, they don't have an online thing set up. I think because they've got such a wide variety of products, it would take too long for them to have, like built that out um, and to keep it like uh, accurate. So I think what they do is, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure what they do is they they photo they like take pictures of all of their shelves and every day post it on social media so people get an idea of what they have and then. You kind of just call up there, talk to a person, place your order. They tell you if they have or don't have what you're asking for, and then they send you an invoice. And then you come pick it up, or they deliver as well. So. Oh, they've got delivery too. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, I, they deliver like one or two days a week. Um, just by they use their own people to do it. So that's kind of like how I've been looking at. It, is like I can't, you know. I can't keep up like a uh, delivery every single day. And it's like in order for me to make it work, it's, it's going to have to basically be me consolidating all of, um, all of the sales and deliveries into, you know, delivery days on this day and on that day. And another part of that is it's right. like, you know, hiring a, hiring somebody to, uh, to do delivery. It's like, I'm not going to have them come in and do, two deliveries in in one day, you know, six days a week or something like that, you know, they it's got to be worth it. Yeah, you want to have a day or two that's available. Yeah. That way you can, um, as far as what you're going to make, you know what you need to buy. And and then there's, you know, the issue of, you know, the week or so we were doing it, I'd, you know, make all the food and try to chill it down right away, pack it up so that it was, like, packed appropriately to be reheated. But it's not like a normal restaurant carryout where you're going to give the person some hot food. Um, where they call it in, I want to order a burger, and they come pick it up 10 minutes later. Some restaurants do that or whatever, but in this case, people are ordering a day or two in advance. They're probably ordering a couple meals. They want them reheatable, so you've got a, you know, the packaging was a concern, you know, was an issue for us, and just how to make that work. And I don't know, if we start doing it again, I'll, that's something I'll now are you are you offering a menu or are you basic, basically saying okay this is this is what we're cooking today uh we when we did it we put out a menu for the week which each day was available yeah um and it was like a couple entrees a couple other sides of soup um pretty straightforward and then people had to get their order in by like 10 that morning to pick up between four and six or we could deliver it um, and that was good, but you know, I still had to have everything kind of prepped out the day before. Right. And then maybe 15 people ordered, but I had enough food for like 30. And so I ended up every day with a whole bunch of extra food. Um, I was able to get it right on. I appreciate it. Uh, it was good talking to you. Good night, sir. All right. I'll see you. Kind of looking at basically having people, you know, I'm saying, I'm going to say on a week to week basis. All right. This is what the meal is this week. Because it's like, you know, it rather than having to stock for the production of like five or six menu items, it's like, all right, no, you know, we're, we're, we're tightening up and this is what's available. And in order for us to keep prices down and not waste food, then, you know, there's some concessions that are going to have to be made on both sides. And one of those is, all right, you know, there's just not as much choice right now. But um, I'm kind of looking at basically having people have their order in two days before delivery because you know I don't want yeah, that makes it I don't want to buy any more food than I need you know because it's like food waste makes the price of it go up the next week basically because there's a there's a bottom line that has to be maintained yeah it's hard it's hard to, to figure out how to do it and it takes some trial and error and yeah we just didn't Making, you know, we didn't make any money that first week we did it, and I was busting my ass. 
yeah. every day, 12 hours a day to, to make, you know, 10, 15 meals. And so that's why we kind of just called it. And I've actually, um, you know, as crazy as it sounds, we, for three years, we were just doing gangbusters business and, um, you know, trying to do it as much of it as I could. And, you know, we had, had enough staff the last few months or so. I'd finally gotten a pretty good kitchen staff in, but I mean, I was tired. I was like kind of ready for a break and <laughs> there just wasn't any break in the, in the, in the future. It was just getting more and more intense and I was getting a little stressed out. So, um, yeah, you said, I want to talk to you. It wasn't the worst thing. When I talked to you a few days ago, it sounded like you're, you're pretty, you're pretty okay with, with taking a break. I mean, I, certainly not the way I wanted it to play out, but like I said, it's out of my control and fuck like, I got to hang out with my kids for, you know, the last month pretty much every single day because yeah. they weren't in school. And How's that going? Um, that's going good. They're, uh, I've got two girls that are 5 and 10, and so the 5-year-old like, in preschool, so there's not much schooling for her, but the 10-year-old has like homeschooling stuff to do every day, which she pushes back on, obviously. She was never really big into school to begin with, much less when it happens at home. Right. Uh, but, you know. We're figuring it out, and there's you know nothing we can go do, so they're bored a lot. But uh, I get to be bored with them, and um, like that's really just not something I didn't even have uh, at all over the last three or four years. Five, I don't know, shit, since they were born, really. Yeah. Um. So I'm thankful for that, and hoping to get back to. Uh, business as usual soon but i will i think look back on this as a good time you know um for that reason and hopefully they will too uh, maybe not maybe they'll <laughs> like yeah, three months we had to hang out with dad that was horrible i was there my wife still works he goes into work a little bit she works from home so she's economically like we're making it happen because she still is getting a paycheck but and she has something to do because she would get really annoyed if she just had to hang out with me all the time. <laughs> um, she's at third degree, right? The glass blowing. Yeah, yeah. She runs the gallery at third degree. Okay. Uh, over on Dunmar, and they've they've closed down. They do events as well, and so that whole portion of their business is shut down. But there's still a lot to do on her end as far as like future projects that they're working on with like commissioned glass pieces and. People still call in wanting uh, custom-made glass, and they're still selling the glass that they have in their gallery. Are you doing, like, um, mail order or anything like that? Yeah, they do a lot of mail order already because people buy stuff from all over the country. So, you know, a lot of what she does is shipping and, and you know, packing up a piece of glass can take her, you know, half a day because you have to, like, custom-build uh like padded shipping containers for it and all that kind of stuff. So right. she's still busy, uh, which is good. Um, but yeah, my daughter was gonna, my oldest was about to like graduate from fifth grade. Cause that's what her school just goes up to fifth grade. Um, so she was getting ready to go to another school anyway. So she's kind of upset about not having that graduation, um, that they always look forward to, you know, but so it's been kind of weird, and they don't get to see their friends or anything. They get to talk online, but is the school talking uh, about doing any kind of virtual thing, or that's that seems like that would be screwed up to figure out too. They're gonna try to do something, I'm sure, but it won't be won't be what it was meant to be. And I know that you know that's you got all sorts of kids graduating high school and everything, so uh, that we're looking forward to that. Aren't gonna get it. Yeah, nothing's but going to measure but, up to their expectations, I don't think. Yeah, but we'll all look back on this a couple decades from now, hopefully, uh, as a time where we all got to sort of reset our lives, you know? Yeah, and well, I, one thing that I've noticed is, is, like, stop blaming myself for how poorly things go when they do go poorly, because it's like before 
you know, if things weren't working out or, you know, like I was like, well, it must certainly be some failing in, in, on my end of things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, well, now you've got the to to there's, I can't, I really great. just can't blame myself in, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's been nice. Yeah. No, it's not, it's, it's, it's um, you don't even have a choice. Like there's been a, there's been a lot of our control and, uh, so that kind of takes a little bit of the weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, I know with us, like trying to open up this new venue and just grow the business as crazy fast as it was growing was a whole lot of stress. And now everything just sort of stopped and it may not, we may not come back from it, but if we do, I think I'll be in a better place mentally um, to kind of like get after it and, and, you know, it's given me some time to think about what, what we need to do to change going forward. Before, it was like every day, just get up, do it, do it, do it, do it. It wasn't, there was no time to sit back and analyze anything. I've been having trouble doing that, though. I mean, I, I say that, but, like, in reality, I've been having trouble actually focusing. I think a lot of people probably have because days just sort of blend together. And it's like, yeah, I've got all this time. I should be using this to sort of figure out how we're going to come out of this and rebrand the business and... um get all our ducks in a row, but like the days pass and it's like, okay, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Cause what the hell do I have to do tomorrow? <laughs> right. There's no, there's no, like, there's no strict deadline. I need like deadlines to work on because I'm a big procrastinator. Um, without having those sort of strict deadlines, it's been difficult to uh, maintain focus, but, yeah, I was telling myself yeah. at the beginning of this, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish that novel. And, I, you know, I haven't really had, you know, and there was, you know, also I was like, okay, not only that, but also now I get to focus on all of the content I had planned to produce for, you know, for, for Luca, for the Luca website. And I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of pivot towards deliveries, but until that gets going, you know, I can do all of these, you know, blog posts and podcasts and video and stuff. And it's like switching to more of almost like a, a media initiative you know with some culinary education mixed into it and was, and, but yeah i haven't been able to focus on anything you know i, I mean I, it comes and goes every once in a while but it's you know the mind is just the mind reels with so many other factors and things dancing around it's like well and at a certain point i'm like even if i do all of this you know there are so many unforeseen things down the road that yeah like what's the point why am i wasting my time doing this yeah there's a little bit of that there's definitely a little (laughs) bit of that but yeah also like you know it almost feels dirty to be promoting anything yeah um i mean there's some of that for me i get that i get that but you know it shouldn't because i mean you're gonna get support from the people that have wanted to support you in the past and yeah I don't think anybody will think of, uh, will perceive it as like uh, selfish, yeah, self indulgence or thing. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but well, yeah. At first, uh, it was like you know, it, I, I did do, you know, I did a podcast about, you know, regarding the delivery boxes and the cancellation of, you know, the last event in March. And at that point, I was like, you know, it felt kind of grody doing it but at the same time at the same time i was like you know i've still got to stay in touch with people i got to remind them that i'm there that i've you know still exist and everything and i'm not not going anywhere but obviously no one's going anywhere but um but yeah and and i think i've kind of come from that to like uh to now just like kind of looking at how i message my community and you know communicating with them differently than the um i guess before it was like marketing just always seemed like a very aggressive thing like you're always sales oriented you're you know you're very result oriented and that result is sales um so but it's like now you know i feel like you know kind of at least i've i've figured out what sort of tone i need to take to make myself feel okay about it, but also still be, you know, a, a reliable voice to my community. Yeah. I mean, we're all trying to figure out that fine line. Uh, 
because and one of the things when I when we decided to shut down was that I got so many messages from people online and our customers that were like, we want to support you. Everybody's talking about support, support, support. And that, that's great. Like, that's how, you know, we people come together in times like this. You know, that's your first instinct. Like, how, you know, you want to support everybody. But it, it sort of seemed like a, it was, I don't know. Like, I would, I would I'll say that it was not in, genuine, but it was just like that was people's first inclination. It was like, how do we support people? And it was like, I don't know. Is it really the best? Is, is it really best for us to be open right now? Like, we're, we're not like an essential business. We're not a grocery store or a hospital. Right. Um, I, you know, I appreciated people's desire to support us, but like, my decision to close was just sort of based on like, well, I mean, we all need to just stay home. <laughs> and like, I don't think if I make 15 meals for some people that can afford those meals, um, but could be cooking them themselves, it's absolutely necessary that I'm actually doing like a, a an essential service, you know? So I don't know. Right. Well, and uh, there was a really great article in the New York Times by um, Gabrielle Hamilton, who owns Prune in New York City. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was fantastic. I'll actually I'll share the link for the listeners, but you know, her what she finally came to was like, you know, you know, does is this is my restaurant what the world really needs right now? And she was okay with saying no, you know. It's really not. So she's kind of in that same boat of just like waiting and waiting to see what happens and, you know, what what she'll be left with on the other end of things. Yeah, I think that's the way to look at it. Um, restaurants are such a like they're like I said, you know, they're probably a small portion of the actual economy, but they're such a big portion of everybody's life. So um, it's weird to just you know say they should all shut down. And, and I understand the desire for people to stay open and to try to continue on with things as close to normal as possible. But it's just not. I don't know. <laughs> the ma- the math, the math <laughs> changes every day too, and it's like you know, yeah. as many projections about you know, oh, we can open up, you know, at this time, you know, in a couple of weeks, this is when we're going to do it. You know, whether you're a restaurant or whether you're the governor of a state, it's like, well, in a week, the 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 math changes on you know how the virus is is spreading or not spreading every single day depending on what people do and you can't control what each individual person does so it's impossible to make a projection on you know how infection levels are going to rise mm-hmm. or, or fall and the, i mean the math changes by the minute <laughs> pretty much yeah hopefully we'll all just look back at this in a year or two and say like you know well that wasn't as bad as we thought it could have gotten um yeah. Thankfully, and who knows if that was because of the measures we took, or if it was just because we were overreacting to something that wasn't quite as bad as we thought it could be. But either way, it doesn't matter at this point. Like, yeah, um, we just gotta wait and see. We yeah. shall see. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brendan. It, it was good talking to you. I um, I hope we yeah, can, likewise we can catch up in person sometime relatively soon. And I wish you all the best of luck with whatever's next and um hopefully you can get enough focus to <laughs> figure that out um but uh yeah thanks again man take care of yourself great conversations is a production of diversified concerns in close cooperation with tower grove sounds in south st louis missouri And it's written, engineered, and produced by me, John J. Goddard, with music by the Vanilla Duchesne. Until next time, may all your results be positive.